Um, let that, let that. So I'm just coming off the dad jokes again. Um, but I'm trying to play piano. So I was watching Micah play and Larry play when they're here. And I'm just amazed because I can't work that fast. Because I, it's, I, it's not good. I'm just plucking along here. Um, but it's good to be back. I, uh, I want to welcome everybody. If you are a guest, we are so glad that you are here today. And uh, in front of your seat, there's some little cards. If you'd like to fill one out and, and, and turn it into the information desk in the back, we have a gift waiting for you. We're just honored that you are visiting with us today. Um, I hope everybody had a wonderful 4th of July filled with uh, fun, food, fireworks, and, and freedom. And uh, maybe you were tired of the fireworks by about 1 a.m. Does anybody have to deal with that? No? Okay, that's good. Um, oh, yeah, some over there. <laughs> we, we, our neighbors put on, we were at my in-laws, but our neighbors looked like they put on a good show. We just missed it. Uh, we were shooting some fireworks off on our own, but that was. And uh, I, was, I believe God is the God of second chances. Right? I mean, he is the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. I don't know. I don't, I don't know when they run out. Uh, I don't really want to test it. <laughs> so, um, I know as a parent, you know, you got to give them that second chance and sometimes a third, depending on how tired you are. Is that, you know, because, you know, the first time, maybe they didn't hear you. But the second time, you're like, did, did you hear what I said? Right? And so, that's it. But God is the God of second chances. And so, I was up here a couple weeks ago, and I was... I was preaching, and I was nervous as all get out. I don't know if you can tell. Um, my wife, she tells me my tells. I don't play poker, but I guess I have tells when I'm nervous, when I'm preaching. And I won't show them to you because I don't want to give them away. Uh, but she can tell when I'm nervous. And I was, I, usually I'm nervous in the beginning, and then I ease into it. But I never eased into it a couple weeks ago. And she said I was talking like a, a mile a minute. I'm like, man, I thought I was going slow. She's like, no. <laughs> so, but I believe God is the God of second chances. And so I want to read some scripture here. This is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or on your app, on your phone, you can turn there. This is out of the New King James Version. This is Hebrews chapter 10, 23 and 24. And so last, or a couple weeks ago, I wanted to talk about spine and heart. Because those are the two things that we need if we're going to change our circumstances and our surroundings. Right? Because we have to be able to stand straight. I told you I'm going to tell. That's one of my tells because I do this when I'm nervous. So I'm trying to work on my posture today. All right? But we've got to be able to stand on something. Because we'll fall if not. We also have to have love. We have to have compassion. But Hebrews chapter 10, 23 and 24 says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He is capitalized there because we're talking about Jesus. So let's hold on to the hope that was given to us. Because he is faithful. That's the truth that we can hang on to, that we can stand on when everything else is falling apart. That's the truth that we can hang on to. But then it says this in verse 24, And let us consider one another 
So consider one another means that we think about one another. We get so wrapped up in ourselves that we can't see anything else. It's kind of like when you have a hurt toe. Anybody ever had a hurt toe, stub toe? Right? That's all you can think about. The rest of your body probably feels good, but you're in pain because you got a stub toe. Right? Here's the thing. We get wrapped up in ourselves, and we, get, we, we just want to feel this pain, and we don't think about others. We don't have that heart, and we don't have that compassion or that empathy that is needed to stir. So it says, and let us consider one another. So we consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So how do we change our circumstance? We have spine. We got to stand on something. Because we don't stand on something, you know, the old country. I think it's Aaron Tippin, right? Don't stand for something or fall for anything. That song, that's was, was like 90, that's like my heyday, 90s country, right? That was new country. I don't know. I don't know, it's probably sad. I probably shouldn't talk about church, but the 90s country, I, I enjoy 90s country. Um, but we have to have spine. We have to stand on something because we'll fall if not. But then we have to have love. Because if we don't have love, we have, then, then if we're just hitting them with the hammer, we don't feel that love, it, it just doesn't work. We got to stir them. By considering them, by having empathy, by putting ourselves in their shoes, and then we can stir them to love and good works. Starts here. In the church, we consider one another here, and then we take it out. That's the heart and the spine. Because not everybody's going to be, you know, people are going to be hurt, but we have to know the truth, and we have to have that spine and the heart. And when we have those, people know that you've been with Jesus. When the Pharisees, when they were with the apostles, and they, they, they arrested the apostles, and they said, these are the men that have been with Jesus. I don't know if someone would say that about me. All the time. I don't know if I'm as... If I do as, as much, if I'm prepared enough for when I go out, that I'm, you know, ready to deal with people. Because people are going to disappoint you. It happens. People closest to you are going to disappoint you. And I don't know if, you know, we have to be prepared for that. But sometimes I think we need to go back to the basics. So we're going to talk about some of the basics today. I, the, I'm, the title of the sermon today is Armor of God. You're like, what, is the, what did you, the last five minutes have to do with the armor of God? Well, I'll try to get there, right? But armor, the basics. And you're like, I've heard the armor of God. So I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to slow down here. I'm going to warn you that this is like a four-week lesson in kids' class. Okay, so I'm not going to give it. It's not going to take me four weeks. It's a, and I'm going to give you guys some homework. All right, I, I know it's weird, right? Like, there should be Sunday school, but this is, I'm going to give you guys some homework today. I'm going to give you guys some basics before we go. And some things you can think about and study on when you leave. So the armor of God, so, but when you talk about basics, the, the first thing that came to my head was, or it was basic training. So 4th of July, freedom, if you have served in the military, we thank you for your service, right? That's, we, we understand 
that. But when you are a soldier, you go to basic training for about six weeks-ish. And I kind of mentioned last time, they break you down. They, you go over the basics. You learn how to walk again. You learn how to eat. It's not, it doesn't get more basic than that, right? Professional athletes, baseball players, if they're having trouble with their swing, so they're in a funk, they just can't get out of it, they, you know, they, have, they haven't got a hit in the last 12 games, they're struggling. You know what they do? You know how they go back, they have a, a, a hitting coach, they watch video, they set up a tee. The thing you use when you're three years old, they hit off a tee. Because they understand you have to go back to the basics to get your swing right. Because there's something wrong. There's, there's something that just isn't working. And you have to go back to the basics. And if you don't master the basics, then you can't move to the next level. Finally, my brother, this is Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. So finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end and with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I know when I hear these verses, or anytime I think of the armor of God, I kind of think of the cheesy um, outfits or costumes they wear in church place. Is anybody else? Am I the only one? Okay. You're right. I mean, that's what you think of. You think of, like, the felt stuff or the plastic and, like, the, the, the helmet with the plume. Like, it was always on one side or the other. Sometimes the guards aren't in the best shape who play I'm not saying anything. Right, but we have this picture of the armor of God that I don't think is the right picture. And we're going to break down, I'm going to break down all these verses quickly as I can, but not going fast. So, my mom told me that yesterday. She gave me some words of wisdom. So she said, you can slow down. You can still say as much as you want. Just slow down. Okay. But I want to give you a new mental picture. I want to replace that mental picture. Just go ahead and like, just don't really like rub your, just like, just wash it out now though. Just take that mental picture. No, you guys aren't, okay, I'll just do it. I'll look silly. All right, just take that mental picture and wash it out and get rid of it. Okay, so verse 10, strong in the Lord. Do you know what this word strong comes from? The Greek words, these are all Greek words. I'm not going to share the Greek words with you. That's part of the homework you get to do on your own if you want to know these because I'm not going to say them out loud and look foolish. This word, though, strong, comes from the same word we get the word where we get 
dynamite. So think of strength. When you think of dynamite, right, you don't, I remember I was shooting off fireworks a few years ago at my brother's house, and we were using tubes. He had an all nice set up, and they were like um, screwed into these boards, and we were shooting off like six at a time. We had people down there with lighters, you know, and they were just, it was, it was a pretty impressive show for a backyard show, you know, sort of. And so this is, a, I, we were getting towards the end, and my tube was pretty hot. I knew it was. And so I had put the tube in there, and, I, and or the, the mortar, and I lit it, and I couldn't get very far. I guess I was, t- I don't know. But I just basically did this. And you know what happens when there's a, a hot tube and a mortar? Does anybody know? It doesn't go up. It just explodes right there. I'm like here. And it, I couldn't hear for three days. I'm like, oh, my word. What'd you say? And I was trying to pay attention. Most time I say what you say, I just wasn't paying attention. But here's the thing. We have explosive strength. Paul is saying be strong in the Lord. You are a vessel that is explosive. Like dynamite. Now, if you don't have the heart, you're going to blow people up, right? You see what I'm saying? There's a good, co- that's how it goes together. This is a good combination to have. You have, but we are strong in the Lord. You are not weak. You have the power like dynamite. And it, it's, it's in something like that. So, But it's like inside you. He has put that power inside of you. Now, might or power of his might, verse 10, we're in the power of his might. Now, the word might, there's, when we get that image, the Greek would have thought of like a bodybuilder. Okay, I, I know you're looking up here like, but no, but a bodybuilder. The might that he, you look at somebody like, he is strong. Anybody ever seen those like strongman competitions? Where like they're pulling a bus? Right, that, that's the might that he's talking about here. And then the power, can I tell you about what the word power? The music was perfect today. And the song selection. Now the word power is the same power, the word, same word that, back here. When God raised Jesus from the dead, that is the same power that he puts in us. You have resurrection power. It's the same word in the New Testament. You have the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead. Do you realize that the soldiers who were standing outside of the temple or out of the, uh, outside his tomb, they passed out? The power fell. <laughs> they passed out. Now, get the picture of the church play guard. Right? These are guards, and their whole job is to protect people. They kill people. I, just, I didn't want to put that in there. But they were really good at their job, and they were strong. And the power knocked them out and paralyzed them. That said, that's the power that Jesus wants to put inside of you. The resurrection power, the power of dynamite inside of you now here in verse 11 Paul says put on the full armor of God here's the deal 
You have everything you will ever need. He's given it to you. Now, all you have to do is ask, right? Talked about in James, we ask for wisdom. We get wisdom. We have to ask for it. Because here it says, it says, put on the full armor of God. Because here's the thing, you have to do the act of putting it on every day. You don't sleep in your armor that's uncomfortable. Right? It's like sleeping in socks. Anybody else? I've, I've, I've offended somebody. I'm sorry. All right. Maybe it's cold. Maybe you have cold feet. That's all right. But it's like, we don't sleep in our armor. We take it off. We put it back on in the morning. We have to put it on. But here's the thing. We have given everything, we have been given everything by Jesus to fight our battles. And we are in a battle. We're in a personal battle. I think we're in a societal battle. We're in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. Now, we put on the full armor of God so we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Here's the thing. Satan is on a, a plan to attack you directly. That, that word in the Greek means he is on a, a straight road. I remember one time I was coming back from, this is Tennessee. We were first married, and I knew a shortcut. I didn't know a shortcut. So we get on this road, and I'm driving, and I'm like, this is like before GPS, right? You know, and I didn't have a map in the car. Wouldn't help anyways because it's like a country road. This is how, I'm an air, I, how many of you are like windows down? It's 112 degrees, but I want my windows down when I'm going down the highway. Is there anybody like that? Got a few of you. How many of you, it's, you know, 72, I need my air conditioner on. Is there anybody? Okay, so I'm an air conditioner guy. I, I like the air. I want to be comfortable. I don't want the humidity. I like control. I'm just, you know, a man of simple needs, but that's one of them. But we're on this road, and, and I didn't know where to get. And I said, I looked at Carrie. I'm like, man, it's a nice day. We should roll the windows down and turn the air off just to conserve gas because I didn't know if we were going to make it out or not. But here's the thing. Satan knows the road to you. He's on a direct path to you. He doesn't take side roads. He doesn't go down rabbit holes because that gets you nowhere. He's on a direct path and he knows right where he wants to attack you. And he ain't messing around. I said ain't. Yes, I did. Because he ain't messing around. He is not. He is coming for you. It is a battle to the death. I'm getting ahead of myself. Right, That's the next verse. But I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But he ain't playing around. He's not looking to hurt you. He's looking to destroy you. The two places that Satan wants to attack is our mind and our emotions. Satan thrives in confusion. I think we're in a state of confusion right now. How many of you have said in these last few months, I don't know? Someone asked you a question about something, you're like, I just don't know. I don't. I don't know who to believe. I don't know what to believe. I don't know. Satan thrives in confusion. Think about your emotions for a second. Satan wants to get in there and he wants to attack. 
A little later on, it talks about the fiery arrows. Guess where he's, guess where he's aiming? Through your anger. The right arrow hits the right spot. You just explode. Look, he's looking to attack you. I wish I had a better message. I wish I had like a more positive message here. It gets better, I promise. Um, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1.13, we need to gird the loins of our mind. Which sounds really weird. Because your loins are your midsection. I'll keep it churchy. Our loins are our midsection. The loins of your mind. Gird them up. And then 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, take every thought captive. Now, here's the thing. Verse 12, this is where we, do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, when I think, I, there may be two things that pop in your head when you hear the word wrestle. Maybe you were a wrestler in high school and you think of Greco-Roman wrestling, right? And you, where you got your, is it a singlet? Is that what it's called? Anybody know? All right, so get the singlet on and you're ready to, to, to wrestle, right? And if you pin somebody, it's over. Now, it's not like a three count. Because some of you got the other wrestling. You got the wrestling in your head, right? And you got like a Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and Shawn Michaels. I also watched a little wrestling back in the day. Don't judge. It's been like three weeks I watched wrestling. So, all right. But Ultimate Warrior, Stone Cold, The Rock, right? And you drop the people's elbow on them. That's what you think about. Guess what? When Paul wrote the word wrestle, that's not how they wrestled back in the day. There were no rules. It wasn't even Greco-Roman wrestling. I don't know why they call it Greco-Roman because you basically fought to the death because you didn't want to leave with your tail between your legs. You didn't want to leave defeated. Boxing, wrestling, and there was another one that was like MMA but even worse, like where they just, it, no rules. And if you stepped in the ring... And you didn't win, you probably died. That's the word he uses. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So, here's the thing. When you're, when you're talking to somebody, and they don't agree with you, because they're not going to agree with you all the time. And if they do agree with you all the time, it gets boring anyways. And we should be able to have those conversations, the hard ones. With people, especially people we love. Like we should feel safe enough to have different conversations with each other in here. And not get mad at each other and still love each other. Got nothing in there. I just, just, I'm going to stop it right there though. It says, we don't, we don't want to kill the other person. Like, we're in an argument with somebody. We don't want to try to kill the, we're not, you know, that's Satan's game. Still kill, destroy. I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a political junkie. I watch a lot of politics stuff. And if you're ever on YouTube, it's like, this person destroyed this person. And you're like, but why? Why don't they just have a nice conversation where they can work things out? Have I watched a few of the destroy conversations? Yes, I have. But... We don't, we, when we wrestle, we're not wrestling against that person. The next part, it says we are wrestling against pow, principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. Do you know Satan has his minions? 
ranked. He's got some demons that are at the top. Those are the principalities. They've, they've probably been in power for a long time. And then you have the powers. The next one, they are the delegated power. I kind of think of these like spies, kind of. Maybe I kind of work under the radar a little bit. And then that last one are rulers of darkness. And here's the thing. The word that he used, Paul used in the Greek, when he talks about this, he talks about raw power. So think about someone going back to the army. This is someone who, and it was raw power inside a military training camp. So you're taking people who are strong and then you're training them to use that strength. So Satan is prepared for the battle. So in verse 13, he says again, put on the full armor of God so you can, once you've done everything, you can stand. I love that. Just stand. Right? Just take a stance. Take a stand. My two, the, the two stories that came to my mind was this. Uh, you can read these later. This is 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 9 through 12. 2 Samuel chapter 23. 9 through 12. This is talking about the mighty men of David. And one guy fought off 800 people because he decided to take a stand. And the next guy, uh, that was Eleazar, Shama, Shama, stood in a, a lentil field. He wanted to protect those lentils. If you ever had lentil soup, you know why. Mm -mm -mm, lentil soup. I'll trade a birthright for that. Okay, sorry, Bible joke. All right, so... He stood in the middle of the ground and won the victory. Sometimes you just have to stand. Verse 14, the belt of, so here's the thing. I love this. <laughs> um, I've been in some, I'm not like a big raw, raw guy, but I've been in some speeches, like before a basketball game or something, and the coach is just you know, like, yeah, we're going to go out and, we're going to win, you know, and you, you, you do it for the Gipper. That's way old. I'm sorry. All right, so, but we're, you're like, ah, here we go. And, and, and you're ready just to run through a wall for the person. I'm not very good at that as a coach. But I've been in some of those. And, and so here's Paul, and that's kind of what he's doing. He's like, man, get prepared. Because they're getting, and then he starts with this. Put on the belt of truth. So I'm getting ready for a battle where this guy wants to kill me. There was an old skit on Saturday Night Live with Peyton Manning, and he's with the coach in the locker room. The locker room's just giving the speech, and uh, then the coach starts dancing like that, and Peyton Manning, no one else is like watching, and Peyton Manning says, I feel you, coach, right? That's kind of what I feel like with Paul. Paul's like, we're going to win. Now put on your belt. How's this going to protect me? This guy wants to kill me, and you want me to put on my belt first? Which doesn't make any sense anyways, right? Because it goes on last. I'm confused. Why do you want me to put on a belt? Because as we see later, there are so many more elaborate and more awesome pieces of armor. We're going to get into all that. It will be quick, though. But why was this so important? Because the belt of truth 
held everything else in place. If your breastplate isn't in the right place, there's going to be something that gets to your heart and to your lungs. This is the, I, I'm, I'm just using all my stuff later now. But do you know, you know how many inches it takes for something to, to stab you? How, 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 how far it has to go into your body to kill you? Two inches. That's it. Now, slash, it takes a lot more, but someone thrusts or stabs two inches. If your breastplate isn't in the right position, you're in trouble when the enemy attacks. If you don't have your belt on and you, he comes at you with a sword and you want to parry his thrust, I studied some fencing. No, I didn't study fencing. I'm kidding. All right, so, but you want to pull that sword out. Guess what? If your belt's not in the right place, guess what you don't have? You don't have a sword. You are not ready. Truth is integrity. Look, we have to be ready for the attacks that come. Your integrity is your word. It's what you do when no one else is watching. And how is yours? How's mine? How do we do this? Are we ready? Because here's the thing. Without integrity in our life, everything may look great from the outside. People look and, oh, they're so wonderful. They don't know what's on the inside. It's like foundation. If you've ever owned a house, I think I talked about this, with foundation issues. It may look pretty from the outside, but it's going to cost a lot of money to fix, isn't it? It's not going to stand for very long. Doesn't matter how many nice things you put in it, it's not going to be worth anything because no one's going to buy a house that won't stand. Without integrity, everything else falls apart. And without that belt of truth, everything else falls apart. That's why he starts with that. Breastplate of righteousness. This is very important because it protects all the vital organs. Now, here's the thing the Bible says that no one is righteous. No, not one. We have to put on Jesus' righteousness. He gives it to us, right? He died on the cross for our sins so we could wear his righteousness. It's kind of like the story came. The woman who was was caught in adultery, and they brought her in in front of everybody. And he says, he says, he who has no sin casts the first. Do you know the only person who could cast the first stone there was Jesus? And he didn't. And he says, go and see. No one threw the first stone. Go and sin no more. Here's my righteousness. Go. He, he gives her that, to go and sin no more. And then we get this verse from in Paul again, 2 Timothy. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction or training. I added the or training in. Or training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We take Jesus' righteousness, but then we have to learn our own, are we ever good to know? But with every step, we should be getting closer and closer to Jesus and that righteousness. All right, here are my favorite. Here's my favorite armor of God verse 15 I've been waiting for this I even brought I even brought a okay so whenever you guys think of here like the gospel of peace 
shouldn't have wore socks. That didn't look good. So, all right. How many of you, when you hear the gospel of peace, think, I remember when I was a kid, I can't walk with these because I can't put my foot in there. All right. When I was a kid, they would talk about the gospel of peace, the sandals of the gospel of peace. And I would think of sandals. I'm like, how am I supposed to fight in sandals? I tried to play basketball in sandals once. It didn't work out. My face. Wasn't a good idea. Just I don't. Don't try to play basketball in sandals. You can't do anything. How many of you thought when they say the gospel of peace, be shod, you think of sandals? Anybody in here? Other, just, just me. Because I always had this thought, and I'm like, why is it God? Why? Now, can I tell you what the shoes actually were? They were pieces of leather or metal. And they were tied so tight to your foot that they weren't going to go anywhere. And do you know what was on the bottom of these shoes? Let me go here first, though. Man, I can't. White Earp, I think, was the, the, he had a gun. What was the name of his gun? He was a lawman. Anybody know the name of his gun? Someone said, I heard it. Peacemaker. He didn't have to get his gun out very often. He kind of had a reputation. Right, he'd walk in. I had an uncle who was a, um, he was an usher at a church, and he, he uh, liked to carry his gun. And if he didn't think you gave enough, he was a funny guy. He was a great uncle. But if he didn't think you gave enough, he would just kind of slide his shirt over and show his gun. <laughs> I don't know, that's, that's extortion. Okay. Um, maybe not so funny. That was my dad's favorite uncle, so that's a. Right? But it's a peacemaker, right? Because when he walked in and he showed the gun, I'm sorry. Didn't know you were back in town. Tombstone. If you've ever seen that movie, it's a good movie. Top ten. Um, we could debate that. But you know what was on the bottom of these shoes? Two to three inch nails. On the front and the back. No, were the, they, what wasn't this? You can't fight in this. If you step on a nail in this. You just marched, and you had greaves that went up to your knees. They were brass or some kind of metal, and they went all the way around. How many of you ever, like, you probably shouldn't weed eat in shorts. I do. I've actually weeded in sandals and shorts. Not a good idea. Don't judge. I learned my lesson. But you get cut, right? You're walking through stuff. You got shorts on. You get cut. You didn't get cut when you had greaves on. And you had these shoes. Nothing got in your way. You had three, two to three inch nails. And you, it spikes. And when it was time to stand. Now I want you to get this whole piece, right? Because we got the breastplate. We have, we have the belt. I know the belt. It's kind of boring. But important. The breastplate, the belt. Now we got the shoes. I want you to put this picture in your head, right? This breastplate was it was it was massive. It covered all the organ. It was tied tight by the belt. You had these shoes that were ready to stand. Not only that, let's say you're in hand-to-hand combat with somebody and they're on the ground. Guess what happened? I'll just leave it there. Guess what? When a legion of about 600 were walking through a town, let's say a little kid runs out in front of them. And falls. Guess what happened to that little kid? 
They didn't stop. What if someone older was walking across, tripped and fell? They didn't stop. They didn't care. They just marched. Now, I'm not saying march on little kids or, or old people. That's not what I, wise people, I should say. I'm sorry. It's a nice way of saying that. I always say that. I don't know. But when Satan puts something in your way, you just keep on marching. Just keep on walking. You have killer shoes on. Some of you do have killer shoes on. But you have killer shoes on. And you can walk right over whatever God puts in your way. Not God. Satan puts in your way. I'll fix that. Whatever Satan puts in your way, you can walk right over it. Now the shield of faith, verse 16. Here we are. So we've got the, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We've got the gospel of peace. We have the shield of faith. The shield of faith was like the door. We taught this one summer, and uh, Brother Andrew allowed us to use his SWAT shield. And this is like two pastors ago. I was a youth pastor back then. And, and Sister Angie was up on the stage with the shield of faith. And I was back in the back with like bean bags. Like, boom. Like, throw it. Because I threw the first one like, and she's like, no, throw it. So I'm like, bam, you know. And they're hitting that shield. And then one, she moved the shield <laughs> once and I like, hit her leg. Because here's the thing. You got to keep the shield in front of you. Because if not, it doesn't work. But the shield of faith was like this massive, it was like two by four. It was, it was, it was massive. It covered the, and when, so think about when they're standing. The man next to you has a shield. You have a shield. The man next to you has a shield. They'd lock them together. Arrows coming, lock them together. Nothing got through. Now, in that time, the shields were made of leather. About six pieces of leather tied together around wood. Hard to break through. And every morning there was a little vial of, 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 of oil beside them. And they'd get that oil out and they'd was all over. Every morning. Second Kings chapter 4. The woman with oil. She gets all the pots. And it keeps filling up, keeps filling up, keeps filling up. The oil was Holy Spirit. Every morning, make sure, and I, and I shared this two weeks ago, not knowing I was going to preach today. But it fits together. Because here's the thing, are you allowing the Holy Spirit in your life, in your faith, your shield of faith? The shield of faith. Think about when you shut the door at night and you lock it, you feel safe, right? Think of that shield of faith that is in front of you. Now, if you don't use the Holy Spirit every morning, it will become brittle and be easily broken. Also, it says they would dip their water, because they used fiery arrows. They would dip it in oil, light on fire, fired at you. And where it hit, it hit. It hit fields and things like that, it burned. But what they would do, they would dip their shield in water before they went out. Now listen to this. In Ephesians 5.26 and Hebrews 10.22, guess what they compare the word of God to? Water. How does your faith increase? By hearing the word of God. 
you need to read the Word of God every day. Spend time with the Holy Spirit. Be prepared. Now, in, in this one, he says, above all else, grab the shield of faith. It doesn't mean it's the most important, but what it did mean, what that meant, that phrase meant it needs to be out in front because you have to protect yourself. That shield of faith always goes out in front of you. Okay? The fire arrows want to get into, I told this earlier, I said this earlier, but they want to get in your mind and they want to get in your emotions. Verse 17, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Now this was the most ornate piece of armor they had. It was priceless to them. This was so cool that they would etch out, like a lot of these soldiers were farmers, so they would etch out on these helmets a picture of their farm or of animals. And they had this plume, it was like horse hair or something, and it was bright red and it stood straight up. Not what, what, wife out that one, right? Like the plastic looking thing that falls to the side. These things were ornate and they were beautiful. Can I tell you right now, helmet of salvation, salvation is the most ornate and priceless gift you will ever get. Salvation is the most priceless and ornate gift you will ever receive. This helmet was so strong that it protected them from a battle axe. So let's say someone gets behind them and they can go around their jaw. I mean, it fit tight. Let's say someone got around with a battle axe trying to cut their head off. Because what I remember what I said earlier, Satan's not playing around. It would protect them from a battle axe. Satan protects our mind from the, or, or, excuse me, the helmet of salvation protects our mind from the attacks of Satan. Remember, he's on that straight road always to attack us in our mind. He wants to confuse us. Sword of the Spirit. Now, this seems like the only offensive weapon, but I'm assuming if you get hit with a shield, it's probably not going to be feel good. Like someone's like hitting you with that shield, probably not going to feel good. If they step on you with your killer, killer shoes, probably not going to feel good. But this one is the only truly offensive weapon. Now, I want to tell you that there are two types. When you talk about sword of spirit, there's two types of words that we get from God. We have the Bible, which is the Logos should read this every day. Spend time in it. Like I said, I love the message of the Bible because it's simple but not easy. And I feel like I'm repeating myself all the time because with kids, I'm like, guess what you have to do? You got to read the Bible. You got to pray. Spend time with God. Like I think I say, I think I say every Sunday, and I see some kids nodding their heads. I feel like I say that every Sunday because it's so simple but it's not easy. Because we come up with a million different excuses not to spend time. But we have the Logos. And we have the Rima. So the Logos is the word, of, the word of God here. Which is very important. And it fits into everything else. It builds our faith. This is truth. Right? Pilate asks, what is truth? This is truth. It holds everything together. It's the water that we dip our Shields in. 
But the logos is not the most efficient way to attack. That's where the rhema comes in. This is the other Greek word. So R-H-E-M-A. That's the one I can say, so I'll say it out loud. Um, Rhema. I also said logos. That was an easy one. This is a quickened word. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness... He got remas. He didn't get logoses. He got a quickened word that was perfect for the moment. But how did he know it? Because he knew the word of God. If you don't know the logos, you can't get the rema. If you don't know the logos, you can't be prepared for the battle to get the fatal blow you need to win the battle. Remember, it takes two inches to get inside to kill with a stab. When, when Satan come at Jesus, he had a rema, right? And Satan's like, oh, what about this one? Oh, I got this one. Here's Because th- even then he's like, oh, I know, I can, just use the, I can use God's words against him. And Jesus' like, nope. And the Bible says if you resist the devil, he must flee. That's what he did. Have the logos ready in your heart have it up here have it in your mind but put it here make sure make sure there's a transfer from the mind to heart so when god comes or when satan comes and he just he's giving you all the stuff that you're ready the last one is the lance of prayer now he doesn't really say lance this book i was reading it was very interesting um they would have like a six foot lance the very first mind picture came in my head was a knight's tale Another top ten movie, we could, we could argue later. Right? And that land's like six feet long, and it kept people at bay. And Paul's like, pray. Continually pray. And all the manners of praying. 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 Goodness. And all the manners of praying. Pray. That's part of your homework. What, what other types of prayer are there? I just Googled it. But study on that. Be ready. Be prepared. Because the battle is coming. The attacks are coming. I'm going to have the, uh, the worship team come, come back up, please. That's... Remember, when we fight these spiritual battles, we're not trying to kill the person that's in front of us. Because most of the time, spiritual battles come in the form of people. Kids. Oh, I mean, no, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. My kids in particular, right? Because some, sometimes I feel like they're shooting fiery darts right into my emotions. Am I, am I the only one? And I'm not prepared. It's late. I'm tired. I want them to go to, I love my kids, but sometimes my favorite part of the day is when it's bedtime. Sorry, kids. But we got to be prepared. Because it comes to inform people. We don't want to kill the people. We want to fight against the powers, the principalities, the powers, and the rules of darkness. And we got to be prepared. We got to be prepared. We got to know what we know. We got to have a spine. We got to have the truth to stand on. And we got to have compassion. 
and empathy when we go out. He has to stand. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you. We just praise you, Lord. Thank you for this word. I know it's simple. I know it's basics. But Lord, when we have that picture, that mind picture in our head, and we hear the armor of God, let us just put this image, this beautiful helmet of salvation, this gift that you have given us, that people should be able to see. They could see soldiers coming from, from hundreds of yards away. Lord, let us put on your righteousness as we learn. Our job as parents is to teach our kids to be able to do on their own. And as we're learning, Lord, let us put on your righteousness to protect our vital organs. We have the helmet for our minds. We have the breastplate. Lord, let us put on our shoes before we go out. Let us to march on whatever uh, Satan has put in front of us, wherever God wants us to go. Let us march. Let us put on our belt of truth to tie everything together, that we can put our, our swords of the Spirit in. Lord, when we pray that we are face to face with you, and above all else, at the very end, out in front of us, let us grab our shield of faith that goes out in front of us. That has been oiled with your Holy Spirit and dipped in the water of your word. So when Satan attacks with his fiery darts, it puts them all out. Just remind us, Lord, every morning to put this on. This is an act that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.